I want to put a tag on this uh, word of God today, the divided states of America. Oftentimes, we think of the United States of America. Today, I want to preach on the divided states of America. I, I believe that uh, without a doubt, I'd be probably preaching to the choir uh, today. As, as oftentimes today, we talk more about what divides us than what it is that unites us. And so uh, I, I wanted to speak uh, for a few moments on that. And I want to preface um, just a couple verses uh, to go behind this in a moment. Uh, we'll read Jeremiah 14, uh, 7 and 8. But uh, Psalms 33 and 12 says this. It says that blessed is the nation whose God is their Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. And then digging a little deeper in Proverbs 14, 34, it says righteousness. It says that righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin uh, is a reproach uh, to any people. You know, I believe when you live in America, I, matter of fact, I believe not just America, I believe that when you live life, you kind of have to have a sense of humor, amen? I, I mean, I, I believe a lot of us uh, in this world today, uh, we're just too serious. Uh, we, 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 we sometimes just take things too seriously. I, I, I believe uh, with the way this world is right now, uh, if you don't uh, have a sense of humor, if you don't lighten up, you're liable to just simply go crazy because there are a lot of crazy things uh, that take place in America. Amen. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I've told you on many occasions, I love to watch people. People are fascinated. I could almost get a story every single day from watching people. Someone has said, and I've used this before, but they said some craziness of America is the fact that you can get a pizza to your house sometimes quicker than you can get an ambulance to your house. I mean, that's, that's some craziness. I mean, think about it. Drug stores make the sick walk all the way to the back of the store, but you can buy cigarettes in the front of the store. That, that's crazy to me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's crazy to me when I stand in line and some people order double cheeseburgers, large fries, and diet cancer-causing Cokes. You know what I'm saying? A big article just came out on that on Friday. You need to read that uh, about that aspartame uh, stuff they ain't been telling us uh, at our government. Uh, in America, we buy hot dogs and packages of 10, and uh, they only give us uh, eight buns. You know what I'm saying? I guess two are supposed to be for the dog. You know, I don't know that. And then over the last uh, 12 years, uh, there's something that um, some people have come out with called Stella Awards. Not, not Stellar, but Stella Awards. And uh, most of us probably uh, don't remember. You may be unfamiliar with it, but there was an 81-year-old. Uh, and her name was Stella Lieback, who spilled hot coffee on herself, and she successfully, y'all remember the story? She successfully sued uh, a McDonald's in New Mexico where she purchased the coffee. Now listen, you need to remember, she took the lid off the coffee, put it between her knees, and she was driving down the road. And who would have ever thought that she would burn herself? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean and, 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 and so out of that, uh, someone come up with this Stella Awards uh, for the most outlandish lawsuits and verdicts in the U.S. And I was reading some of these things, and I mean, I mean, these are these are some head scratchers. I'm just going to go through a few of them. But somebody by the name of Kathleen Robinson of Austin, Texas, she was awarded eighty thousand dollars by a jury of her peers after breaking her ankle and tripping over a toddler who was running inside a furniture store. The store owners were understandably surprised by the verdict, though, considering the toddler who was running around was her own son. 
She won $80,000. Carl Truman, 19 of Los Angeles, California, he won $74,000 plus medical expenses when his neighbor ran over his hand with a Honda Accord. Truman apparently didn't notice that there was someone at the wheel of the car when he was trying to steal the hubcaps off the car. I mean, you can't make this up. It gets better. Listen, about a guy by the name of Terrence Dixon of Bristol, Pennsylvania, he was li- leaving a house that he had just burglarized by the way of the garage. Okay, this guy goes in to the house and he's burglarizing it by way of the garage. Unfortunately for him, the automatic garage door opener malfunctioned and he couldn't get the garage door to open. And even worse, he couldn't re-enter the house because the door connecting the garage to the house locked when Dixon pulled it shut. No windows in the garage at all. So he was forced to sit there for eight, count them, eight days, uh, and survived on a case of Pepsi and a large bag of dry dog food. Now get this. He sued the homeowner's insurance company claiming undue mental anguish Amazingly, the jury said the insurance company must pay him $500,000 for his anguish. We should all have some of that kind of anguish, amen? I might come to your house today. And probably one of the craziest ones, listen, these these are true stories. Uh, The one that made first place several years back was a lady by the name of Miss Merv Grinsky of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. She purchased a 32-foot Winnebago. That's a motor home, okay? On her first trip home from a football game, having driven onto the freeway, she set the cruise control at 70 miles an hour and calmly left the driver's seat to go to the back of the Winnebago to make herself a sandwich. Uh, Not surprisingly, the motor home left the freeway, crashed, and overturned. Also, not surprisingly, she sued Winterbago for not putting in the owner's manual that she could not leave the driver's seat while the cruise control was set. The Oklahoma jury awarded her, you, I know all y'all are sitting down for this, but this is true, $1.75 million plus a new Winterbago mobile home, and now they had to change their owner's manuals. Can you believe that? I mean, these things are crazy. I mean, I mean, they're just outlandish. I mean, I mean, you just never would think about some of these things. That's why you've got to kind of lighten up and you kind of got to be loose. And sometimes you can't take everything that's going on in the world seriously. And then when it comes to our jobs, you know, everybody's all the time screaming about jobs. Listen, somebody sat down and wrote this, and I think it's very true. Joe Smith started the day early, having set his alarm clock made in Japan for 6 a.m., while his coffee pot made in China was perking, he shaved his, uh, with his electric razor made in Hong Kong. He put a dress shirt on made in Sri Lanka, designer jeans made in Singapore, tennis shoes made in Korea. After cooking his breakfast in his new skillet made in India, he sat down with his calculator made in Mexico to see how he could spend the day. After setting his watch made in Taiwan to the radio made in India, he got his car made in Germany, filled it with gas from Saudi Arabia, and continued his search 
for a good-paying American job. And at the end, yet another discouraging, fruitless day, checking his computer made in Malaysia, Joe decided to relax for a while, and he put on his sandals made in Brazil, poured himself uh, a glass of wine made in France, and turned on the TV made in Indonesia. And they wonder why you can't find a good-paying job in America. You know, whether it's craziness, whether it's our jury system, court systems, whether it's jobs, I mean, we do have a lot of craziness here in America. And perhaps something that's even more crazier than anything else is the divide that we face today. I believe that Satan has somehow kind of gotten a foothold on Americans. And somehow it's us against them. Sometimes it's just red against the blue. The Democrat against the Republican, the illegal against the legal, the anti-maskers not so long ago versus the maskers, the anti-vaxxers versus the anti-vaxxers, the traditional marriage versus the gay marriage, and we could go on and on, the gender, the, the racial class, and, 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 and all of these things, whether they're spiritual, racial, political, financial, or biological, it seems like that everywhere you look today, for one reason or another, there's something that divides people. When we ought to be united, we ought to be united as Americans. We ought to be free to enjoy the God-given freedom that, that God has given us. But listen, I want you to understand today that make no mistake about it. No matter the craziness, no matter the negative, I believe that America is the greatest country on the planet, and we are great because God has blessed us to have the freedoms that we have here in America. Someone once said, you can tell a good country by which way people are running to. They're either running from it or they're running away from it. And today, I want to tell you, we know that there's a lot of people that's trying to get into this country. And the reason why they're trying to get into this country is that they know sincerely that this country has been blessed. But a lot of our blessing has come from the faithfulness of past generations rather than the faithfulness of this present generation. Because today, we, at many times, we're without God. Many times today in our country, the reason why we have the issues and we have the problems and we have the divide and we have the sinfulness that we have is because we have wandered away from God. We have wandered away from God. And this morning we're going to read uh, in God's word a place called Judah. These are God's people and they, they have wandered away from God. And I wonder today if the America of today, this morning that we're living in is not like a lot like the land that we're going to stand and read about this morning in the land of Judah. Let's stand this morning in honor of God's word. Out of Jeremiah 14, this is the inspired word of God. In this word, it's a power to change lives. Jeremiah 14, 7 and 8, this is how it reads. It says, O Lord, thy iniquities testify against us. In other words, their sins testify against them, their iniquities, their shortcomings. Do thou for thy name's sake, for our backslidings are many. We have sinned against thee. They're, they're, they're saying, Jeremiah is saying that they have sinned against God. It says, all oh, the hope of Israel, the Savior thereof in time of trouble, 
Why shouldest thou be as a stranger in the land and as a wayfarer man that turneth aside to tarry for night? This morning, I believe that the Lord is a, is a stranger in this great country to which we live in. Let's pray. Father, this morning we just come before your throne. For these next few moments, Lord, I pray that I could decrease in such a way, Lord, that you could increase, that we would not merely hear words about you, but, Lord, we would hear a word from you. Today, Lord, if there's somebody here lost in need of you, that today could be a day of salvation. And, Lord, I pray today, Lord, this won't be just a, a message of an indictment, Lord, but it'll be a, a message of hope that, Lord, somehow we could get back to realizing that what we need more than anything is simply you. Lord, we praise you and we love you, and it's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. You know, as we look at this text here in Jeremiah, the land of Judah is in great distress. It is suffering. It is not only suffering spiritually, but it is suffering physically. It, it is experiencing a famine. We read here a description of what life was like during these turbulent times. And the prophet Jeremiah describes the city. It, he describes the inhabitants of the city as, as though they were mourning. They have been put to shame. Uh, they have been humiliated. The country is languishing in sorrow. Things are so bad that the animals are even suffering. And then when we read verses 7 and 8, we're giving the reason for the suffering. The reason for the suffering is the sin of the people. Their, their sin as a country is so great that God has become a, a stranger in the land. It's as if he has turned their back on them. And I want you to tell you this morning that there's not enough time for me to cover this morning, but, but I believe today the same could be said of our country, that I believe that at times God has turned his back on us because our sin is so great today that, that God has become a stranger in the land. I'm here to tell you today that God is, if he's not becoming a stranger to the land, he soon will be because listen, what was what's called a Christian nation is now becoming a very secular nation. We're in the midst of a spiritual famine, whether you believe it or not. And I believe that we are well on our way to a physical famine and things don't change and change soon. Destruction and death have become the norm for our everyday lives. Very few in this country today are spiritual in nature. And when I say spiritual in nature, I mean the things of God. I mean the only begotten Son of Jesus Christ. I mean being born again, Holy Spirit living within us. There are countless numbers in America today who consider themselves spiritual, but they are talking about the occult. They're talking about the New Age movement. They're talking about Scientology, just to name a few. Many think they're spiritual just because their name is on a church row, yet they never seem to be in the church seat. Many say they are spiritual, but they're not talking about the spirituality of Christ. Today, I believe that we are worshiping many gods instead of the one true God. And this morning, I believe that if we were to have the time, we, we, we could look at a lot of idols. We could look at a lot of things that are wrong. We could look at a lot of these things that are dividing people today. But really, I've just come up with very three little things that are just going to kind of broad stroke this whole thing. 
But one of the things that I believe that we find ourselves in this world to which we live today is we serve and we are thinking we are serving the God of easy living rather than the God of a work ethic. Think about that. The God of easy living rather than the God of a work ethic. A willingness to pay the price of working hard in order to build a life of value is a quality which greatly contributed to our nation's greatness in the past. It seems today, however, our nation is filled with people who only want to do what's expected of them, nothing more. In fact, their dream in life is to get something for nothing. Today, we live in a world where a lot of people are seeking something for nothing. If you don't believe me, look at all the states. It used to be one or two. Now, it's almost, I believe, every state has simply legalized uh, the lottery. And what is the lottery? When you see the lottery, the lottery always trips me out. It's because they say it's for the states or they, or they say it's for the schools or whatever it is. But, but most of the people that are there uh, trying to win the lottery, anybody ever been there? Okay, I knew nobody get nobody help there. Listen, I always love people. You know, when these lotteries get real big, people will be there in line to try to buy a lottery ticket. And usually they don't have a car. They rode there on a bicycle. They're walking away from the station, whatever it is. Because listen, everybody wants the big hit. They want to do something for nothing. And I mean, I mean, I mean they, want the, they, they, they want it for nothing. But man, back in the day, people worked hard for a living. Today, we can't even get people to work. I mean, there's a shortage, not of jobs, but there's a shortage of people that are willing to do the jobs because back in the days and past generations, people worked hard. My dad had an eighth grade education, but man, I mean, he did everything that he possibly can do to support the family in the home. Today, we're trying to just make it with just one big settlement. What if Paul Revere had said, it's the middle of night, for goodness sakes. Besides, I'm not the only man in Boston with a horse. What if Patrick Henry would have said, yes, I'm for liberty, but let's be realistic. Someone might get hurt, including me. What if George Washington would have said, I'm sorry, gentlemen, but I have to get take care of some personal matters there at Mount Vernon. Why don't you find somebody else? After all, I've already done my part in fighting with the French. Listen. Our country could have never got established if our forefathers had not possessed the same I've done enough, I expect something for nothing attitude which prevails among many people today. Someone has said that Patrick Henry shouted, give me liberty or give me death. Later generations took up the shout and said, give me liberty. The present generation sometimes shouts, just give me, give me, give me. And you know what? I see that. I see that with, with, in my personal life with people that I'm close to. I, pe people want something for nothing. And that's not how it works. You see, the God of easy living, whether than the God of work ethic. This is what the Bible clearly tells us. It tells us in Ephesians 4 and 28 that we must work, do something useful with our hands. In 2 Thessalonians 3 and 10, it says, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. You know, I've said this on many occasions, but I think it's one of probably one of my most favorite quotes. And Theodore Roosevelt simply said, a government that is big enough to give you everything you want is big enough to take everything you have. And friends, believe it or not, this morning we can sit here in denial if we want, but I'm going to tell you what, the bigger the government gets, the more dangerous it gets. Because we need to realize that, that God has given us the commission, that that our kids belong to us. And we don't need a bigger government. We need a bigger God. We need to simply serve God. 
Listen, history shows that throughout civilizations, they have followed this timetable over and over again. The people go from chains to a spiritual faith, from a spiritual faith to courage, from courage to liberty, from liberty to abundance, from abundance to selfishness, from selfishness to complacency, from complacency to apathy, from apathy to dependency, from dependency back to bondage. And friends, if you look at that today, we see a lot of that in our country. And then today, we see the God of relativism rather than the God of righteousness. The God of relativism rather than the God of righteousness. A gray cloud has descended over our nation. There's no such thing as black and white or wrong and white. Everything today is very relative. America today is like the man who went to a psychiatrist. He complained, look, I've been misbehaving, doc, and my conscience is troubling me. The doctor asked, and you want something that will strengthen your willpower? The fellow said, well, no, I was thinking about something that would weaken my conscience. <laughs> Listen, think about this. Politicians are dealing with all sorts of scandals today. All we see on television every single day is this scandal and that scandal. Some of you that are older here, we would have never, ever thought that we would live in an America where it's all about scandals. It's all about divide. It's all about everybody having their hand uh, in the cookie jar. Americans don't expect as much as they used to out of politicians because we keep voting for the same people. And listen, Proverbs 14 and 34 says, it says, righteousness exalted that nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. When it comes to politics and politicians, Americans seem to be more concerned about economic prosperity than personal integrity. Think about that. Where's integrity anymore? Where's integrity at all? Someone rightly observed that moral relativism is the root of what's wrong in our society. People worry and complain about the rising crime rate, the breakup of the family, and the general decline of our culture, but they don't realize the cause of it all is that they don't value truth anymore. You see, today, tolerance is valued more than truth because our country refuses to accept that there is a such thing as a moral absolute truth. We find things are falling apart all around us. It's John MacArthur in his book, The Vanishing Conscience, drawing the line in a no-fault, guilt-free world. He wrote this, modern society is full of sin, decadence, and devastating spiritual catastrophes. It can be seen at every turn. Think about today how often personal integrity no longer matters. Because we're more worried about just being relevant. We want everybody to fit in. We don't want to offend anybody. Let me just tell you, friends, this morning, the gospel of Jesus Christ is offensive. When you make a stand, you got to understand that that is going to be offensive. When you tell someone apart from Jesus Christ, you will be separated from God from all eternity and you will bust hell wide open. That is offensive. When you call sin, sin, when you call right, right and wrong, wrong, those things are going to get you in trouble. But friends, that is a trouble we must be willing to get in again because our pulpits need to preach the whole counsel of Almighty God, and we need to tell the truth. <laughs> Friends, we can't be relevant, and we can't be everybody fits in. The Bible lets us know that narrow is the way, not broad is the way. See, a lot of people think everybody's going in. Everybody ain't going in. The only people that are going to go in are people that have bowed a knee 
and simply confess their sins and accept that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior. That's the only people that are going in. And I know the world continues to spiral like it's out of control. And I know at times it seems to get worse and worse. But friends, I believe that we are today closer than we've ever been. And I believe that God's going to come back. And I believe that every heel is going to be Lord. Every wrong is going to be made right. And I believe that, friends, our world is in for the greatest show that it has ever seen. Because one of these days, friend, we are going to see Jesus come in the clouds. And he is coming for the church. And we are going to be raptured up out of here. Don't give up, friends. I know you've been hearing a lot of preaching. I know you've been hearing a lot of teaching. I know you sometimes get sad. I know you sometimes get depressed. But friends, the best days for the Christians are not behind us, but they are in front of us. And we need to rise up. And we need to not be stuck on relativism, but we need to be stuck on righteousness. And we need to understand that God will not put up with this stuff that the world is wanting us to put up with. I've said it here in this church a million times probably. But what was sin 2,000 years ago is sin today and it'll be sin 2,000 years from now. God's not putting his finger in the wind and trying to have a test. And God's not trying to kind of consult everybody and make everybody fit in. Friends, I want to be sympathetic. I certainly want to be loving. I want to be kind. I don't want to necessarily be a fanatic, but if a fanatic I must be, I'm going to have to be a fanatic because friends, we need to understand time is much too short. And we need to make sure that we tell the truth. And we need to make sure our world understands that there is a truth and there is a God and we've got to stand on that truth. And so today we are sometimes more concerned with easy living than a work ethic. Today we're sometimes more concerned with relativism rather than righteousness. And here's one other thought today, and we could have a lot of different points. But the God of success rather than the God of salvation Americans have bought into the ideal that achieving success, when you define in terms of money and material possessions, is the key to fulfillment in life. But despite what success they may achieve, I still see a lot of people that are lonely, guilty, unhappy, worried, fearful, and discouraged. Because the problem is that you can climb the ladder of success you can reach the very top, and you can find out that that ladder was placed on the wrong building. You see, truthfully, this morning, we need to understand that we need to teach our kids again that success is having a relationship with the Lord. Success isn't all the things that the world says success is. Every day, you could read an article in a paper, you could hear it on the radio, or you could watch it on TV. There's a lot of people that are a lot more successful than probably most any of us here by ways of material things and money and monetary things. But you know what? They're still lonely. They're still discouraged. They're still unhappy. Because the only thing that will bring happiness to any man's soul, any woman's soul, is a relationship. Is Jesus Christ living inside our hearts? He's the one that gives us purpose. He's the one that gives us meaning. He's the one that gives us value to this thing called life. And people today, they run around trying to find it everywhere they possibly can. Today, I want you to understand that as we just kind of bring this thing to a close, and we get ready to cook those hot dogs and 
hamburgers. We're not a nation under God. But I believe that we are a nation that is running from God. And there is no doubt that our nation desperately needs a spiritual awakening and a genuine revival. Which brings us to the question, what can we do? What can we do in this divided America? What can we do? What, we, we certainly need to start with love because 1 Corinthians teaches us that, hey, hey, love is the greatest of these. But we also need to be a people that is committed to the Word of God, committed to taking a stand for God, and a people that is committed to living for God. Friends, today more than ever, we ought to have our heads up, not our heads down. And we ought to not buy into all of this divide that's dividing people all over the place. But friends, we ought to stick up for the things that unite us, the things that bring us together. Back in the day, people didn't see a lot of things that we see today. It just seems like everything today, you could just, anything seems to divide people today. Friends, we need to come together. And we need to be a people that's the United States of America. And we need to see the things that bring us together versus take us apart. And we need to do that by just simply following what God would have us follow. Let's stand this morning. Let's pray.